How do you measure yourself with other golfers? By height. It's a very, very special honor. I'm Paula Creamer, and you're listening. Well, we're waiting. Hi, this is Martin Cove, a.k.a. John Kreese from Cobra Kai, and you're listening to Golf Talk Live. Let the word go out from here across the land. Let Daddy Noonan uh, approve. Hey, this is Shooter McGavin. You're listening to the 19th Hole Podcast. Hello, friends. Alan up here with another episode of Golf Talk Live, my rendition of the legendary Jim Vance. I am joined, as always, by our illustrious panel. I've got Andy Hydorn, formerly of Sportsbox. He's going to tell you what's up now, where he's hanging his hat. To my left, we used to call him Boston Bob. He's now Bourbon Bob. And further to my left, the prettiest podcaster in golf, Christian Nazamus. Boys, Augusta's in the books, and it was spectacular. There is so much to talk about. It was definitely a great Masters, 100%. I agree. Yeah, they, you know, every year it's always like amazing. You, you go and you know there's going to be some stories. Um, the weather this year, the luck of the draw, but I mean, God, John Rahm played so good. And it and it doesn't matter who the players are in the story because the Masters just delivers, right? Absolutely. I mean, every, every year it delivers. Um, so yeah, I I agree. It was it was an awesome tournament. Some really really interesting dynamics um, that happened, and we'll be able to dig into some of that stuff. Well. I hope. Right? Like I said, we don't, last week we had no notes. This week I got I got nothing. There's no notes. We're just going to freewheel this because we're going to freewheel like Brooks Kepka did for well, I don't know, uh, forty holes, <laughs> maybe. And then it all went off the rails, which is what usually happens when I don't have show notes. But anyway, the real question is: Is Tiger? I, I, you know, I want to make a quick observation. A lot of golfers out there think, hey, I'm a really good golfer and I've played really well at my course. And then what Brooks happened to Brooks, I think is a good indication. And Andy's played, you know, where I played a lot of tournament golf, but you get it going. But and when you're at the top and that line is so fine, it's finer than fine. And you're playing a course like Augusta that is right on the edge that, you know, yeah, I think uh, Brooks, he hasn't been in the medal, hasn't been tested, hasn't tournament tough, tournament edge. Uh, but that goes to show you that, you know, for 72 holes, the top players, top professionals, you throw it in Augusta, uh, you don't have to be off by much. And those amateur golfers at home that think, oh, I'm so good, and I had a couple of good rounds, you got to have like 50 in a row like that. So I, I started to say is Tiger dumb, but I do like this topic. So Andy, Brooks lose. John Rahm win. What say you? Well, uh, first of all, I think, you know, both of them, it was pretty cool because those are the two toughest characters in professional golf, right? Um, I, I just think, I think Brooks, when he gets it going, he's bulletproof. And um, it was really good to see Brooks have his mojo back, right? I mean, it's pretty awesome. Um, and he adds a great dynamic to whatever tournament that's going on. It happened to be the Masters, but um, 
but Rom really, I mean, starts the tournament with a four putt double bogey on the first hole. I miss, I miss, I miss, I make. Yeah. Has the absolute, you know, killer side of the, of the, uh, you know, kind of wave, right? He was in the bad wave being late, late, early, um, late Thursday, early Friday. I mean, he had everything going against him and he won by four. So, I mean, such a dominant, such an impressive performance by Rom. Christian, I'm going to come to you in a second, but Bobby, back to your question, your point, I should say. I mean, Brooksy in our group chat, which was on fire, uh, we were just, I think, I don't think any of us were working Thursday or Friday. Um, no, I was on vacation that day. Brooksy, true. Um, Brooksy just had that steely eyed, just old Brooks. I'm not to be screwed with. It's a major. I'm here. I'm going, I'm planning to win. Yeah, he's got a little bit of, well, not a little bit, but some compilation of, yeah, a tiger edge. Yeah. He gets, he looks like a middle linebacker out there, like a Dick Buckus. Um, he has a, he's got this saving thing in him that can be intimidating. I think, I think in the right, I'm saying this hopefully the right way. He's got a little Arnie in him that he just, you know, he goes for stuff and he just gets up and hits it. And I, I don't know. He's just, uh, he's, he can be the scary type of guy that loves the big time, loves the big, the big majors, loves being in the spotlight, not afraid of it. He definitely has a laser focus that's that is Tiger esque. I mean, you always you always heard that about Tiger. That you know, <laughs> the famous story at at Augusta, walking down the stairwell, walks right past Phil Knight and his mom, and turns walks like ten steps and turns around, and goes, "Oh, hi, mom." Yeah. <laughs> Christian, same question to you that I posed. He win or Rom or did Rom win or he lose? You can make an argument for both, but I'm going to have to lean that. Kepka lost it, if I'm being honest. I mean, he didn't play stellar. I mean, excuse me, Rom didn't play stellar on the week. I mean, he shot 73-69. It wasn't like he went off for 65-65. Yeah, he shot 65 in the opening round. However, given the conditions and given the time off that Brooks had, Brooks was in full advantage of that. He had more time off that he could have rested and got ready for the weekend than anybody else in the top 10, arguably. So I would say that Brooks lost it, if I'm being honest. He, he was so in control of his golf swing in the first two days. And then he just, I mean, he just lost it. You know, there were shots that he was hitting on Sunday that I'm just looking at him. I'm like, what, what, what the fuck was that? Like, what are you doing? It, it you know? almost is. It, does it almost look like to you that he, he gets disinterested at points where it, I mean, obviously it's going around social right now. Masters girl, by the way. I mean, you could see this, this look and he, he went to the whole slow play question. We'll get to that in a minute, but you could see like when he gets out of his rhythm, he just takes this, it almost seems like a nonchalant attitude towards it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, uh, you know, obviously with the slow play on Sunday as well, I think that played a little bit of a factor. Not much, though, because there's no excuses really at the end of the day because, I mean, Rom shot 69. Um, but I definitely think that was a big factor, um, you know, specifically on Sunday. Um, but Brooks has always had that mentality of a nonchalant, just kind of goes with the flow. He doesn't, I mean... Yeah, he makes a great putt. Great. He's kind of like that Dustin Johnson almost where he just like makes a birdie great on to the next hole. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, they're they're kind of like the same mentality on the golf course. Andy, it almost seemed like when he made that first when he had his first three jack, when was that late in the third round? It's almost like then that's that the chink in the armor kind of, you know, 
first started or what say you? Well, I, I think, and I think we should definitely talk about the live dynamic, right? Um, if we want to get into that now, we can, if we want to get into well, I think we ought to, th we ought to discuss Brooksy because yeah. we, we, out of fairness, we should talk about the guy who won a little bit more, yeah. but, but, uh, yeah, and yeah, yes. but, I, but I think, I think it's, it's all about what we've been talking about, about the pressure. Like Bobby said, it's like, you're living on the edge of a razor, you know, playing in the masters and it's so tough. And, and sometimes you know, everybody, everybody envisions a collapse being a, a collapse like Jordan collapsed or like Rory collapsed, you know, leading the Masters um, in 2012, I think, or whatever year that was. But it's not always that way. It's it's mostly subtle things that go wrong. And to your point, Alan, that three putt is a good example of, you know, subtly starting to lose your edge a little bit. Um, and succumbing to the to the situation. I think it was a leading up. He missed a couple of makeable putts, very makeable when you're on your game, you make. And then he gets a three putt, and then he's like, you know, shit, here we go. I mean, and once you lose that putting, that, that confidence, it starts to creep back in backwards, uh, especially a professional player. And, yeah, you, you just start to see it. It's so fascinating on TV, and especially in the big tournaments, you start to see this mind game going on. Um, I mean, you know, I've been there and it's literally within inches. One way you got a birdie putt. Well, you saw it on TV on nine, uh, Tiger, that one shot. I mean, within inches, you're 10 feet, five feet, I don't know, and then 50, 60 yards. It's crazy. Right. Yeah, without question. And so, Christian, you touched on it first. So uh, here you go. Brooks, and I quote, that group in front of us was brutally slow. John went to the bathroom seven times today, and we're still waiting. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I saw Patrick's comments uh, this week. You know, yeah, it's a major, obviously. Place of play is bound to be slower in a major than it would be in a normal event. However, though, you're a twosome, and you're playing in five hours. It's kind of ridiculous, if you ask me. Personally, I mean, you're all, you're all great golfers. I thought the highlight and the funny moment was when Victor Hovland on 13s chipping as 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 Cantlay still what 60, 70 yards away from the green. I thought that was hilarious. It's just playing ready golf. <laughs> you got to play ready golf. Like, and trust me, I've been in that atmosphere where in college golf, college golf, it's worse. The um, there we wouldn't get off a golf course for six hours. That was terrible for 18 holes. Right. So I, I, I kind of feel where Brooks and, and, and Rom are coming from. However, it's, you know, I see both points, but I see more so on the faster play than anything else. Andy. So, yeah. So I, I, uh, in, in the world that we live in, people tend to not tell the truth, right. Um, politics, whatever it's, it's lying has become sort of a fashionable way, way to, argue a point so i saw patrick cantlay say that when they walked up on the second tee that you know there was a group on the second tee they waited on 15 fairway and they waited on 18 fairway so who knows if if that's the case then there's no bitch to come at those guys if they're waiting then it, it's clearly not their fault right so 
I would love to know what the real story is. I mean, like, were they waiting on 15? Could, were they waiting look, on 18? I mean, you could, look, all, we all played. You could make the argument, absolutely could be waiting on two, because it's a reachable par five. But wouldn't the field get back into position thereafter? The one that, that affirms my agreement with Brooksy, the tournament's over. And they're standing on 16, Masters Girl, by the way. Um, hashtag Masters Girl. Look it up. Um, Cantlay is on the front of the green. First of all, how did he shank it to the front of the green when the pin's back left? And he literally is walking this thing off like, from multiple directions. I realize he's playing for a lot of money, and he's the number four player in the world, and who am I to say other otherwise? But holy hell. I mean, the tournament's over. He's five under par. But the tournament's not over for him. He's got ex he's got exemptions to deal with. He's got money to deal with. And and if in fact they're not out of position, then what are you going to say? Like, what are you going to say? And do I believe him that they were not out of position? I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't there. I don't know. But if they were not out of position, you can, you can get aggravated with with some of the the slow movements that they have. From time to time but if they're not losing their position then what are you going to say well it's a big precedence right now in golf obviously with slow play as it is you know and i know the tour is kind of working on it here and there but i mean is there going to be a rule that 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 comes out that says you're going to get i mean i know they already penalize people for slow play but something to this caliber I mean, you know, what happens if, what happens if like, you know, Rom and them were in the last group and John Rom's playing so slow, right? Or and or what happens if Patrick Cantley's in the last group of the Masters and they're a hole and a half behind and they end well, up That's a problem. That's a problem. Him. Right. Right, right. I'm saying but as that example, that's that's where obviously it makes sense to penalize a slow player. I just wish that the PGA would make us some type of like just, just to try to like speed up, I guess, a little bit because you see it now in amateurs every single time. At least I go on the golf course every single time I play. Where it's it's a constant five hour round, four and a half hour, five hour round. If I'm playing with just myself and somebody else, I should be able to get around a golf course in three and a half hours. I mean, Andy, you you, you I think if I remember right, you kind of railed on this last week when we were watching Drive Chip and Putt. I mean, yes. some of these poor these some of these kids. Yeah. They're, they're standing straddling the line, getting the feel with their feet. They're doing this. They're emulating all the shit you see these tour players, some of these tour players do. A hundred percent. And I saw a kid yeah. because, because there were two playoffs and two playoff putts, and he hit the same putt three times, and he went through the whole process of aim point, you know, getting down, straddling the line in three different places, getting around to the back of the so. And, and look, it, it's a it's a fine line because at some point you got to teach kids that routine is important, right? You have to have a good routine. You got to stick to it. Everybody teaches that, but we got to figure out how to make these routines not so long and drawn out. Because that again, when I was watching drive, chip, and putt, I saw a lot of that going on, and I'm like, we're teaching the kids who play this game, you know, uh, we're teaching them the wrong stuff. If, if, if they're coming out and to Christian's point, college golf is ridiculous. Brutal. Young amateur golf is ridiculous. Yep. You know, like these, these amateur tournaments, the state ams and things like that, they're ridiculous. 
because these kids who are, you know, 16, 17, 18, 20, 21, whatever, they're taught to be really meticulous. And it turns out to be that they're really slow. Bobby, I'm coming to Bobby, come to you in one second. So we host all these different, I try to make the course available for some of these like AM tours and different things like that. When the dude shows up with his caddy wearing a bib and he's walking in his dress white slacks, collar turned up and a visor. I'm I'm filing it right here, right here, Andy. Hashtag don't be that guy. <laughs> don't be that guy on steroids. That's day yeah. for trouble right there. Well, to, to Andy's point, the, the kids are modeling what they see on the tour because in every sport, the kids model what they see. Growing up in Boston, as an example, Larry Bird at the free third line wiped his feet. A lot of kids in Boston started wiping their feet. Bobby were with the one piece of tape on the on the the, the hockey stick. Um, I think the I think what's happened because I've been I don't know I've been enamored and studying this for so long for since I don't know for decades about pace of play at a facility level and this the average golfer sees what happens on tour and they think well if the tour players do that maybe that helps me it doesn't help you at all I will only give them a thread of they are playing for millions of dollars now and I get it but also if you if you look at why does a basketball player or a hockey player spin around and instinctively shoot it and swish? And at the foul line, when they do their little pre-shot routine, they're a 62% shooter. I would love to see. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see more of this. I've coached my kids or everybody. Be more reactive. Be more instinctful. You're going to be better. You, when Cantley's getting ready to putt, he does his little feet thing. And you go, okay, pit it. Nope. A little more with the feet, back and forth. Then he's going to – it's like, come on, Patrick. If you're going to miss it, miss it quick. Do something different. Yes. So so early, previously on the, on, uh, the podcast, we had on um, Kyle Alderink, and we were, it was right after the Fall Masters. And we talked about how uh, Xander got out of his – out of his uh, – routine on 16 and yanked it in the water i actually think brooksy got out of his routine and even fired faster than he already fires he was just that fed up with being out there for five hours he suddenly starts playing bad the 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 molehill the you know the the snowball starts rolling down the hill for him i mean his second shot into 13 i mean he was over and the and the club was to the top in like milliseconds yeah, I just think, though, that that's a chicken or the egg thing, right? If if you're playing well and, you know, you're in the hunt, in the mix, you don't care about the slow play. You just don't. If, if you're starting to lose your game a little bit, if you're starting to lose, you know, kind of the edge that you had, that's the first thing you're going to kind of blame and point to. So one last, one last question. Christian, I'm going to go with you first on this. I saw this one posted on social. I have to ask the question. Been lots of epic collapses at the Masters. What's the all-time one in your opinion? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I'd probably have to say Rory. Short and sweet, Rory. Knowing that the golfer he is today that is the reason why I'm saying I'm saying Rory. He would have already had a grand slam by now. 
and there's this dark rainy cloud over Rory every single time he steps on Augusta. So that's my answer. Mr. Hydorn. So there are some easier choices, easier answers to this question, but I'm going to pick a more obscure one. Um, and I believe it was 1979. It was Ed Sneed. Um, yep. Ed missed three five-foot putts. Our historian concurs, by the way. Ed missed three five-foot putts on the last three holes to get into a playoff with Tom Watson and Fuzzy Zeller um, to ultimately lose. But his last five-footer literally hung on the edge of the of the hole on 18. Um, so, you know, for a guy who played great all, all week, came down to three five-footers, and all I needed to do was make one of them. Bobby? I wasn't, I wasn't even thought of then, 1970. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of like, you know, that crossed my mind about Ed Sneed. I, I guess I was thinking in a, in a strange backward ways, Curtis Strange losing in 85, I believe. And was that 80? Well, I know he shot in 85. Or eighty something at some point, but you shot eighty. Uh, you shot eighty in the first round, came 80. back, makes the cut, and then yes, yeah, it, like that. Just I don't know. He in, in a weird way that was just strange. But I, I think you know you got to look at Norman and Faldo. No pun yes. intended. Yes, yeah. I, I'm glad yeah, you said that. Honorable mention, Greg Norman. And <laughs> I'm gonna. I see the, the the one on social. They actually had a picture of Jordan, you know, and Kerplunk on number twelve, but. Uh, that was just as much of a bad. I mean, I I still got to say it's still Greg. I mean, that was that was of epic proportion, and for how swiftly the lead deteriorated was the the amazing part about it. Yeah. So, moving on to the man who deserves some credit and is now two steps into the his attempt to uh, complete the career Grand Slam. Is John Rom the real deal? Is he a force to be reckoned with? For I mean, I realize he's the real deal. He's number one in the world. But, I mean, how many more of these majors is he going to rack up, Andy? Well, who knows? But, I mean, again, we talked about this last week, I think, that, you know, it's like depending on who's hot at the time, everybody talks about the best player in the world and – you know, it goes from Scotty to Rory to to John Rahm, and those are the three that are kind of in the mix right now. But I mean, he's he's a great, solid, just stud with with really no weaknesses. So, you know, I think I think you can look at Scotty after this week and really point out that he has a weakness and it's his putter. Um, and I think you can point out that Rory has a weakness too, and it's his brain. Um, but Rom doesn't seem to have any weaknesses. Bobby. Yeah, Scotty was. I, I mean, what was the one putt where I? Oh, it was the 16th hole, and he hit this putt for par, and it barely went in. I turned to my wife and I said, "He just yipped that." It yep. was clear to me. Yep. And I thought, oh, my God, because I've heard commentators say, oh, what a solid putter he was. And he's made a lot of putts. But that was really interesting. I think uh, Rom can win the PGA. I mean, the Open Championship, depending on the, the weather and the, the layout and stuff, I think he's proved that he can muddle it through pretty good. Uh, I think he's probably as decent a chance to get in a career Grand Slam as others. 
Christian? Um, I'm not a betting man, Alan, as you know. But if I had to put the over-under on his majors, I would put it at seven and a half right now. And I'm taking, <laughs> I'm taking, the, I'm taking the over on Rom over seven and a half. Well, that was the uh, other one circulating social is of all the talents, who who finishes where on the career majors? You got him at seven and a half? I, I think he could be. I mean, look, like just looking at it from this year, he's got to be favored to win Oak Hill at the PGA. Has to be. I mean, that golf course is a bear, as we all know. You have to hit it long. You have you have to have a great short game. If that if that course is if that's windy that week, he's one of the best. I mean, he's obviously he's, you know, he's Spaniard. He loves hitting the ball low. He can flight it. He can shape it how he wants. I mean, he can get up and down from virtually anywhere. Like Andy alluded to, I don't think there's any weakness right now in his game personally. He's you know, he, he's got some confidence. Rough up at Oak Hill. There's no doubt. What about was that? It. I said, he's certainly strong enough to muscle it out of the rough at Oak Hill. Trust me. I played in a U.S. Open qualifier there and I, that, that rough was up to my knees. It was, it was taunting. I mean, you really have to, muscle that thing out of there and yeah rom's one of those guys he can do that um but no i think he could easily win another major this year i mean hell he could even who knows i mean he'll i could see him coming in the top 10 and every single one of them this year you know i don't see him missing the cut at any of them because the course is set up really good for him andy does he win seven i think that's a a good number but but who knows i mean rory won four really early right um and he's on a, a a total dry spell right now. Brooksy won, Brooksy won four in two years. <laughs> Brooksy won four in two years. But again, being favored isn't worth anything, right? I mean, Rahm was third favorite to win the Masters. And now that he won the Masters, he's going to be the favorite to win the PGA and probably favorite to win the U.S. Open too. Um, so at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter except for the fact that you know, his game is good. He's an unbelievable player and, and yeah, he should be the favorite to win. I have a question for the panel and our, all of our followers out of the three golfers right now who are primarily dominant in the game, Rory, John Rahm and Scotty out of the three who wins the most majors at the end of their career. We're going with Rahm. Yeah, I, I, I would go with Rahm too. Um, I don't know. Rory's older and Rory's just in a, in a huge dry spell. If you would ask me when Rory was this age, how many Rory got right now? Rory's um, got four. Yep. Uh, then I'm going with Rom. I, I also agree. I'm going to go with Rom as well. That's, That's clean sweep. Yeah. Look at that. Look at us spitting all over Scotty's grave already. <laughs> I, well, I think, I think Scotty gets, at least one or two more. I think it becomes multiple. But I, I get this theory in my head, and you sort of touched on it, Andy, but I think Rory's got a, a bit of a mindset block, at least at Augusta. I think he wants it so bad that he needs, he needs to show up 10 minutes before his tee time next year, yep. not wearing jeans per se, but just I don't care, and just yep. go wing it and have a beer at the turn. Yep. Seriously. Um, but I'm always – I'm always interested and fascinated by players that don't have the perfect swing. And that's why I, I love Scotty Sheffler because he just gets in the hole and competes. Grom, not the prettiest thing, short. I get concerned sometimes it's so short, uh, but he can just get it in the hole. And the real pretty swingers, uh, you know, sometimes they're so caught up in the swing they forget to play the game. 
Yeah. So before we jump to Andy, to your point, I have just one question. Sam Bennett. What's your thoughts? Well, I think, I think, in my opinion, he's not the most decorated amateur in the game, but he came into Augusta and acquitted himself obviously rather well. I think he uh, he's kind of cocky, really confident, um, and and is everything Bobby that Rory's approach wasn't, right? Yeah. You know, I, I think they're the the two ends of that that mental spectrum. I think I think he had I think he woke up on Saturday to the reality of who he is standing next to. Yeah. And then when he got back out of the I mean he hardly got any TV coverage on Sunday. But when he got back out into the you know going off a few groups ahead, it changed his whole mindset. And you know, he put up a respectable final 18. I was so hopeful that he was going to finish Christian in the top 12 though. And get I it. think we all were. I mean, how I was rooting for him just as like a Cinderella story. Yeah, you know just, I mean? just to get the invite back next year. I agree. He he has like that calm, cool, collective, cocky, not cocky, but like he has that calm, cool, collective vibe to him, right? Like he said in one of his interviews, like, I know I deserve to be here or something to that nature. Yeah. Right? I don't know what his exact quote was, but I I love that, right? Like, yeah, you, you do belong here. You were the only amateur to make the cut. You were competing for a green jacket at the end of it, okay? And it's not like you gave up. I mean, hell, he put up four – for an amateur and the, for a kid who's never played it, uh, he put up four really good rounds of golf. You know, I do think he'll be back at Augusta. I do think he's going to turn pro here very soon. And it, just to showcase who he is too, you know, he had to fly back to college station. And the first thing he did, he didn't play in the 36 hole event on that Monday. He went to, but he went to go support his team and everybody that was there afterwards. I mean, I'm sure you guys seen the video of him getting off the private jet, walking through the terminal. Everybody was there cheering him on. It was honestly just a great story. He's a phenomenal golfer, unique swing to watch the way he just dips his head. And then you can really watch him go after it. I mean, he was, he was out driving Rom and, and um, I think he, yeah, he was out driving most of the guys that he played with. Honestly, he was, he was keeping up with them. If he wasn't out driving them, he was definitely very close to out driving them. So he's just got to, yeah. And it was a good example of the masters creating yeah. an amazing story because my wife watches the Masters. It's the only major she'll watch. And she was rooting so hard for this Sam Bennett. I'm sure all the casual golfers that tune in for the Masters watch this. They saw the human interest story. It's very touching about the tattoo he has, his dad's really final words. Um, so, I mean, that, that creates almost Olympics. You know, Olympics come around and they do this human interest stories. Um, you know, it, it, it gets people behind you and emotionally connect. And that's what the Masters can do for the game of golf. And he's got that going now for who knows how long. I mean, people are going to root for him for a long time. Absolutely. So, Andy, the inevitable question. Live versus PGA Tour. The live effect on Augusta. Did live get vindicated or validated this past week? No, live did not get validated, but the players sure did, right? So I think in, in my opinion here, I think the dynamic of what happened um, is really interesting and worth some digging into in the, in the sense that Phil Mickelson hasn't played a good round of golf in forever, 
Um, Brooks is just starting to round his game into shape. Uh, Patrick Reed's been generally poor on live. And right now, the the fact that those guys were in a real grind tournament that they're used to preparing for, being serious for, elevated their games. And I think it was pretty awesome to see those individuals back in the mix. And it does, to me, shed a little bit of light of how disappointing it is that Liv has fractured professional golf to the point that, you know, other than the Masters and and some of the other majors, aside from the PGA, then we're not going to see a collection of the best players in the world. I, I think you said it well last week, which is it's almost like it's back to the European tour, U.S. tour back uh, back in the day when Colin, when Monty would come over and show up for the majors and and everything. But Bobby, I, I I saw the quote and it was from a reputable. I can't remember who it was from. It was reputable that Kepka basically was saying how you know it doesn't the live events don't prepare him for the majors. Did you see that quote? Yeah, I think it was the same article. I don't know. I I I read that. I saw some a bunch of stuff and he and in one of his conference interviews at Augusta, yeah, like, he went right up to the line to say if he didn't have his health problems, his knee injury, he probably doesn't go to live. I think Dan Rappaport actually reported that. Yeah. 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 So I, I can't imagine, you know, it's interesting. The ones that finished right at the top, Phil, multiple masters winner. Brooks is just you know, crazy in the majors, and he's got that. He's feeling good. So I figured he'd have a pretty good event. Reed's a former winner. So, I mean, you know, the, the guys have proven it before. They know how to get around the golf course. Um, yeah, there were a lot of live players that had a decent event, some good finishes. Um, they're still, yeah, at the end of the day, they're still professional golfers. They're still going to golf their ball pretty darn well. Uh, but that I always talk about that that edge. It's, it's like in baseball, hockey, football, whatever. The guy that seems really good in the back, backyard throwing it around. I mean, whatever the analogy you want to make, it's, you know, on the tour, it's just such a fine line. Christian, you want to chime in on that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the biggest, for me, the biggest storyline of, of Rom not winning was Phil, I think, in the way that Phil played, honestly. We all see a different Phil Mickelson. We all see how, you know, different he looks. And again, he's just taking now a different approach to how he normally once was back in the day. And, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, the live guys made it made an impact. I I mean, there was four of them or three of them in the top four, you know. Um, I don't really count Patrick Reed because in any other golf course, he's not coming in the top four because it's only Augusta. And that's the course that he feels comfortable on. But I mean, Brooks. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's definitely I, I think Andy hit, you know, the nail in the coffin here. I think it was perfect the way he said it. Um, you know, I I. I think Brooks deep down misses, he missed that. He misses that, right? He misses playing against yeah. Ron coming down oh, the yeah. fighting for a major and not even just a major. It could be for the Memorial. It could be for any other tournament. He misses that. Right. And I'm telling you right now that afterwards, cause they're still, they're also buddies, right? They all still talk, you know, Brooks put a great post up afterwards, congratulating Rom. They're all still buddies. They all still text each other, hang out, play, play golf, obviously, you know, but for me, I think Brooks definitely misses the competition. Whereas I think there's other people in live who need live in their life at this moment in order to, to think that they are, they are something. And I think like guys like 
Bryson, Patrick Reed. Those guys, in my opinion, need live. Brooks doesn't need live. I think eventually we're going to see a thing come down here. I don't know when that's going to happen. There's going Brooks will eventually come back to the PGA Tour. I'm a firm believer in that. I think he will. I don't know when. I don't know what his penalty is going to be. But I think that there's going to be that gateway that opens eventually for live guys to come back on the tour. And I bet you right now, Brooks is going to be number one on that list coming back to the tour. Because now that he's healthy playing well, I think definitely. Before bouncing, before, before bouncing to Andy, I think we keep, we'll keep sticking with Brooks because he did put up a hell of a performance for much of the tournament. I think Brooks hates being told he has to go play in the Texas Valero Open or something like that. He doesn't want to go play. He wants to play against the top dogs when the top dogs are playing. That's what juices him. Well, if you if you say that, though, I mean, that's like him going to Orlando playing against – those aren't the best players in the world. What, at or- when he was at Orange County with Wynn and yeah, those aren't the best players in the world. No. Okay, but, like, so I think right now, I think Brooks would easily take a Valero Texas Open – Against competition, was there's still some big names in that tournament. He would take that tournament right now over a live event, I I think, at least. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think Brooks missed the competition. He misses the, you know, that drive to finish out and the grind, you know, to make birdies coming down the stretch. Whether or not he didn't win or not, he still had a ton to play for. Andy, was it interesting to you to see who wore their uh, live gear and who did not? Very, very interesting. Um but, you know, I sit here and, and listen to this discussion, which I think is a great discussion. And I think, you know, it's Wednesday here as we record. Think about Brooks going home and sitting on his couch and thinking about the experience that he just had last week at Augusta. And then they're getting on a plane and I think they're going, I don't know where the next live event is, but. But what a letdown that must be, right? For for him to to go from the highest of highs at the Masters and then just get on and you know go to the next live event. I it just and and I think Christian said it exactly the way it is. There's guys who need to be on live. There's guys who should be on live. There's guys who absolutely made the right decision, and you know. Brooks isn't that guy. He's just not. And I do, I do agree with everybody here that that when they do start to come back, that Brooks will be the first guy back. I could. And I think the best thing to that is that the PGA will welcome them back with open arms. The fans will welcome them back. I mean, just look at the fans on Sunday. I look mean, at our, I, look I, how many our, Brooks did I hear? Look at our 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 group text. Yeah, I mean, B B E who can't be with us tonight. He had a lot of lessons going late. I mean, he, I think he was the first one to say, "God, I miss seeing these guys out there all competing against each other." Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I mean, we, it was we great. All... It was great. And I'll tell you who, Christian. I'm going to throw it to you because I know you're passionate about this. T W. Go for yeah, it. T- yeah, T W. Uh, obviously, it's. It's it's not I would say like it's not it's not surprising at at to, at least in my eyes that he withdrew. It's not surprising at all, right? I mean, I I'm I'm not a I'm not a diehard Tiger fan. I'm a Tiger fan, obviously. Um, but for me, if I'm in Tiger's shoes, I'm just I'm hanging him up. I have to. 
he can't compete with these guys anymore. He can't walk the golf courses. I know that I, I'm probably going to get, um, you know, uh, opinions that people don't agree with me. I, I get that. However, as Andy's leaning in, you know, at the end of it, though, I just don't I, I see the way Tiger plays. He can't compete with his games there. His, his game is there. Right. He can he can hit the shot still. He can certainly get the ball speed and the club speed there. But again, I think that that leg is going to be just, you know, that's always going to be like kind of like Rory's dark cloud. It's going to be overhanging him on every single tournament. And but it's more so an issue when he doesn't play well. If Tiger was like, you know, eight, nine under par going into Saturday. He would have sucked it up and played through it. Suggesting that he pulled out because he was injured by far. He was plus seven. He was like la- he was one of the last players in the tournament and the or that his WD his his injury was motivated by a desire to add WD because quite frankly he wasn't going to be able to walk thirty holes at that golf course. No, he he wouldn't be able to walk thirty golf courses at any golf course right now, right? But look at his last look at the last X amount of tournaments that Tigers withdrew like withdrew from. Okay, every single tournament that he is withdrawn from, he's not hasn't even been close to the lead. How you close to it? I can see Andy formulating his thoughts. So I want a quick thing to Bob that says, is he just becoming a ceremonial golfer, a standard bearer, like other legends have late in their career? Uh probably not yet, but I figured, you know, when he first got the accident, it was bad. I guess it's really, really bad. It could be wicked bad because somebody like that that is at the beyond pinnacle of whatever would have the absolute best medical care ever. And if he's still not ready, I mean, I'm not, I'm kidding here, but I'm not kidding, but I'm kidding. But if you remember the $6 million man, that 1970 show, like, it's like, it was a a question on Jeopardy just the other night, by the way, just throwing that out there. (laughs) Yeah. Go, 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 go YouTube that Christian. Uh, Great show, by the way. Um, But anyways, like, like that, like to me, I was, it's crossed my mind. Like Tiger could be, he would have the wherewithal to get a NASA to get a new leg type of thing. I mean, he must be so bad that, I, I mean, I think he's just unless he has a golf unless he has a golf cart, he's no longer seventy two old. He's no longer in the mix. But I think he does have still some decent game if he has a golf cart. I made the comment in our group chat, and and then I'm going to release Andy because I can see he's ready to go. I made the comment that I think if he has a chance to win a major, because those are the ones he says he's only going to play in, it would be the Open Championship if it tends to be a flatter type golf course. But there's so many undulating lies over there. Even that could present a challenge for him. All right, Andy, lean in. Asshole Andy has come to play. Oh, God. <laughs> so, and, and here's my take on this whole thing. And Christian touched on it, but Tiger's a quitter. Um, and he's he's a drama queen, and wow. he's, he's a I love Tiger. I I am a huge Tiger fan, but he's a quitter. And you know, let's let's talk about the leg thing here for a second. He did he didn't quit because of his leg. He quit because of his plantar fasciitis. Okay, it wasn't his leg. It was his plantar fasciitis that that flared up. Now, I don't know if any of you have had plantar fasciitis before. I have. It gets better the more you walk on it, okay? It's really bad in the morning when it crystallizes, but the more you walk on it, the better it is. So I'm sorry. It just, it just to me, just reeks of Tiger just 
and and look, Tiger got a really bad draw in this whole thing too. He was in the in the late Friday early or late Thursday early Saturday draw. Um, we need to talk about Justin Thomas too because he got screwed in this whole deal as well. But you know, I I I just think all of those things played into the fact that Tiger was just like I can't do this. I don't I don't have the the guts to to you know bear down and and kind of gut this whole thing out. And again, I love Tiger, but I've seen it too many times. He's he's quick to to kind of bail. I need to go get two beers right now and pull a stone cold Steve Austin and party. <laughs> I want to watch that video of Christian celebrating. Yeah. Well, if if J- uh, and you have no reason to doubt Jason Day, a screw went through his foot at the PGA Championship last year, which prompted him to uh, to resign or to withdraw from that tournament last year. To Bobby's point, we don't know how bad it is. I mean, he keeps it obviously hidden under his black. Uh, um, Heights there, but he said it's plantar fasciitis. That's what he said. That's why he withdrew because his plantar fasciitis got flared up. That's what it was. I feel like there is an injury, a different injury every single time Tiger has withdrawn from a tournament. And again, I like Tiger. He golf would not be the same without Tiger Woods. Of course, we all we all agree with that. He is one of the best players, if not the best player of all time. Okay. But it comes to a point, though, where it's like he knew that this was going to be a tough walk for him. He knew it, right? And I know that we were talking about it a little bit, um, you know, uh, in our group chat, where it's like, oh, well, if he got a golf cart, for example, you know, then then none of this would be an issue. Well, if he got a golf cart, then others should be allowed in a tournament. He shouldn't just be the only person to get – an exemption of that. I know John Daly had one in the PGA. I get that. But if that was going to be a, a rule moving forward, the PGA should make a rule that if like you have a specific medical exemption or condition or whatever that limits your walk for 72 holes, you're allowed to grab a cart whenever. But Tiger that, being that, how did that, Tiger is that already went through the court system with Casey Martin. Yep. Oh, it did. Okay. Well, even even if that ever got approved again in life, okay, Tiger, being the competitor Tiger Woods is, he would never, in my opinion, take a golf cart on a golf course. No, I think he walks away from the game before he does that. He 100% would. And honestly, the way it sounds right now, the the Champions Tour sounds pretty damn good for Tiger right now, if I'm being quite honest with you. so So the takeaway from this is Tiger gets the LeBron James I'm Hurt Toast Dub Award. Yeah. I'll even go... I'm even. I'm just gonna drop the mic before Tiger Woods will never win another tournament or a major ever again. I I'm gonna say it right now. He'll never win another tournament or a major ever again. Does that include club events at the medalist? <laughs> I don't know. Hey, Bobby, I don't know if you know. Event. Bobby, I don't know if you know this, but Andy's played at the medalist. <laughs> I should have been more specific, Bob, Bourbon Bob. That's... I apologize. You know, it's it's bad. Um, <laughs> it's uh. Any professional event, Tiger Woods will never win another one, and that does, and that, and that counts the PNC with Charlie. That counts the PNC with Charlie. You hey, you know what may go well with bourbon? A nice mixer. A mixer. 
Yes. Next up. Andy, it's, take it's it time, away. It's time for Don't Be That Guy sponsored by Q Mixers. <laughs> yes. So Q, Q makes the finest drink mixers in the world. It's made with all natural ingredients and sweetened with agave nectar as opposed to high fructose corn syrup or sugar or any other crap. And it finishes it off with the finest carbonation profile you'll ever taste. Unless you're a straight up drinker, which Alan, you might be a straight up drinker, aren't you? I am you? a straight up drinker yourself. Also called neat. 75% of your cocktail is made up of mixer. So while you take it and you choose your spirit carefully, you should choose your mixer just as carefully and make that drink the way it should be. Q is the obvious choice. We need a sound effect. Yes. So don't don't be that guy this week. I we've all seen it. We we've seen it on social media a million times. People making that dumbass joke that Liv is a 54 hole tournament <laughs> and Brooks is a Lib player, and therefore that's why Brooks lost the Masters. So that's about as lame a take as you can get. So Again, in a real simple fashion, you <laughs> don't be that guy. Wait, people actually said that? Oh, yeah. Oh, Everywhere. my God. It's all over if social there's media. one person, Brooks is an athlete. DJ is an athlete. You think another 15 holes is going to make a difference? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely did. Yep, without question. 18th green, oh, I'm yeah. walking up for the applause. Scoreboards does not have my name, ever have my name on it. But I'm going first because I want to. My uh, my final thought is I commend once again Augusta National for for being at the forefront. Their work with the patch and what they're going to continue to do in, in for the golf industry around Augusta is to be commended. What started uh, who was the chairman before? I've just I, I, I bought Billy, Payne. Billy, Billy Payne. Payne. What started with Billy Payne and being continued with Fred Ridley. Kudos to Augusta National Golf Club. That's my final thought. Boston Bob. Well, I was uh, going to actually um, mention some things about, I guess, national, and uh, I I do agree that what they're looking at doing with the patch, if other like clubs in the country could do something like that, it's going to be interesting. I sent that uh, little text to the guys before our show. I'd like to touch on that in deeper because um, I think it's uh, pretty important that we can chat through that, but. You know, that's just one example of, as I was around Augusta for many years, um, you start to learn about this strategy, this plan that goes out 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And something like that, DCP, Augusta National Women's Amateur. There are some other things that Augusta National is planning to do that it's, it's you think about it now and you just go, it's, it's absolutely stunning um, what they can and will do down the road. Um, yeah, I'm a proud PGA member, second generation, but a lot of times I wish the four majors were the masters, the masters, the masters and the masters. <laughs> it's just something about the history of the singular place always there. And I'm telling you in the meetings, they will dice and slice the minutia so that when you go in there as a patron, it is the most exceptional experience of your life and you are not disappointed. It's amazing. So Andy, are you saying is Boston Bob saying it's about the venue and what is your final thought? I, I, I might agree with that, perhaps. <laughs> um, and of course, I'm going to hog 
two final thoughts. Um, the first one is that with the dynamic of Liv and Brooks and Patrick Reed and Phil playing so well, it makes you really question, should the PGA continue to be considered a major going forward? Because if Liv exists for a long period of time and it has a good profile of players that are going to play in the Masters, they're going to play in the U.S. Open, they're going to play in the in the Open Championship. Are they going to be allowed to play in the PGA Championship? And if they are, okay. If they're not, then that really kind of downgrades uh, the PGA Championship um, online with some of the other majors. My second point, and this will be very brief, going from the grass to the ice, we're uh, going to talk about the uh, record-setting Boston Bruins. We um, want the cup. We want the cup. 64 victories broke a record. Um, and 133 points broke a record as well. Um, so playoff hockey and playoff basketball, for that matter, are a great time of year to watch TV. Mr. Nazamus. I, I second that. Playoff hockey is the best time of the year, in my opinion. I love it. I love watching it. Unfortunately, the Sabres fell a little bit short once again, but I, I know they're a young team. They're going to come out hot next season. I think Buffalo got their goalie and Levi. That kid's that kid's special. He's nice. And, uh, you know, I think they'll be in a playoff spot next year. But, you know, going back to golf real quick, yeah, first off, hats off to Rom for an incredible, you know, um, Masters win. Uh, but can't wait to see the menu for next year and what he's got, you know, cooked up for the boys. And, um, you know, again, please guys continue to, uh, follow us on all social media, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, um, you know, it's going to be a great 2023 for us, you know, hopefully we can get the band together here for the next major coming up, but if not, then we'll get together real soon. So, uh, Andy can show me a thing or two on the golf course and how to play. So, you know, I got my second round of the year coming up tomorrow and um, I'm excited. So I, I'm still dusting the dust off my clubs. So that's my and and uh, that's my final thought. So and I will close by saying, Christian, although you did hit at 315, first tee shot of the year, 78, yep. work on your putting. Yeah. <laughs> bye bye. You only have one opportunity to sell your golf property. Shouldn't you partner with an expert that offers you 30 plus years of golf industry experience combined with the reach of a global leader in real estate? Collier's International Golf Brokerage and Advisory Services understands your unique business needs. Whether it is brokerage, management, and consulting, be reassured that the market leader in the business of golf is providing you the real answers and practical solutions you deserve. Contact Golf Talk Live co-host and Collier's Golf Advisory Services member, Alan DePew, today at 717-554-8519. That's 717-554-8519.